Well, hello and good evening to everyone. Um, my name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. And yes, it is another Monday evening at 7 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope you're all doing well. The weather has been incredible. It's really beginning to move towards summer. And if you're not doing so already, you got to get outside. you got to get those footsteps in. you got to drink some water. Let's make sure that we're a little bit healthier than we were last year, uh, this year. I'm so excited. Um, today, uh, we've got a guest with us, and her name is Lisa Giacoulas. Oh, I know I slaughtered it, but I'm going to say it one more time, and then she's going to, like, correct me. I know. Lisa Giancoulas. Um, we're so happy to have you uh, this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. sharp. Why don't you go ahead and say hi to everybody for me? Hi, everyone, and especially Andre. Thank you for having me on the, your podcast today. Yeah, no, it's uh, really nice to have you. Um, Lisa is in the city of Markham. She works, well, I won't even tell you where she works. She's going to have to do that for herself. Um, but we're so glad to have you. Um, and of course, today we're going to be talking about leadership and mentorship. But before we get into that conversation, Lisa, would you mind maybe just sharing two things that you'd love for our listeners and viewers to uh, learn about you? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I absolutely love, oh, and you didn't, uh, by the way, slaughter my name. I've heard it, um, <laughs> I've heard it in many different ways. Yeah. Um, and I actually go by Lisa McLean Yankoulis. Okay. That's how it is. So the G is kind of silent. Okay. Um, a couple things I love to do. Um, I love to spend time Number one, with my family. Obviously, I have a beautiful older daughter who's a nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, my son is in university. Uh, he wants to get into healthcare as well. Nice. And my youngest daughter is um, finished high school and working right now. Um, we have a place up north that we go to visit in the summer, which um, we've been doing. Uh, whenever we can get away, we try to as much as possible. It's so good for our mental health and uh, getting us um, regenerated for, you know, getting back to work. Yeah. But, um, and I love golf. I am not the best golfer, but I certainly enjoy doing it. And it keeps me moving and uh, healthy. Nice. Good for you. That is on my bucket list, by the way. Um, I haven't gotten there. I've got a lot of friends that uh, play golf, but I just haven't been able to pick up on it yet. Um, but my, my hope, or at least my goal, is to make sure that that's one of the things uh, that I get to within the next year or year and a half. Um, so anyways, Lisa, we want to talk today um, a little bit about leadership from the perspective of mentorship. And maybe in terms of context, if you don't mind sharing um, it would be nice to, to know or at least to get a sense of what is it that you do from Monday to Friday or on the weekends, because I know you're in the healthcare profession, um, but at least it would give our listeners and viewers a context as to the work that you do. Um, yes, so uh, I'm a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. um, I, I graduated in uh, 98, so 25 long years in a profession that um, I love. Um, I love working with people and I love helping people. Um, my current 
role right now. Um, I work at Oak Valley Health, uh, formerly, well, it's still Martin Stovall Hospital. Um, that's the site that I work at. I work in surgery and I do quality improvement. So I lead um, many different teams in um, quality improvement, looking at surgical site infections, uh, urinary tract infections. So we want to reduce all of our rates in those um, categories. Uh, we've actually won meritorious award in the last uh, five years. So very excited about that. Um, but as you know, in my past roles, I've um, I'm also right now actually a hip attack research co-investigator also at the hospital, but I've been a facilitating nurse. Um, I've led several corporate um, uh, programs. I've introduced um, a couple of new roles and uh, I started out as a bedside nurse. So really have had a, um, um, expanded um, and broadened um, view of all sorts of different roles in the hospital. Nice. Um, and it sounds like you're always on the move. And I, I got to be honest with you, even though I love the resume, that's part of the thing that makes my heart smile. Because whenever I hear that somebody is moving around and trying new things uh, that says to me not only that you're ambitious but you're also somebody that really appreciates and um, understands the value of change so of course now because we're talking about mentorship and leadership uh, let's make let's build this bridge um, between your quality improvement life and everything that you do in surgery and maybe give us a sense of how this is connected to this very important topic of mentorship. Yeah, um, so with my role right now, um, actually, I've done more mentorship. Now I'm more um, in a leadership role, but before that, I was uh, a big mentor. Um, as a nurse, we um, there's a preceptorship program where um, new nurses are, that are coming out of school um, are paired uh, and work with um, a nurse on the floor. And I've had the um, privilege and opportunity to work with some fantastic um, new grads um, coming out of school. Um, it's so nice to see how eager they are mm -hmm. and how willing they are to learn. Um, and being able to provide my experience and share my um, knowledge with them to not only see them succeed, mm -hmm. but in some cases actually um, see them um, surpass. Yeah. Um, their goals, our goals, mm -hmm. and become really amazing people in their careers. Um, mm -hmm. so, so let me ask you this then, Lisa. So mentorship is not for everyone, right? Like I have seen and I have worked, I've experienced, I've listened to um, the great stories and then the horror stories of mentorship, um, as one who has been mentoring individuals who you hope will embody 
uh, what you believe in, your values, um, best practices, I would imagine. Where do you start in the process? Like, how do you ensure that these young male and female nurses, they, they get the best of you and maybe not the checked out of you? Because sometimes, you know, after 25 years of working, uh, there are different components maybe of, of your job um, that you don't love. But where, where do you start in the process? So they come through the door and they've got these rose-colored glasses and here comes Lisa. Where do you start as a mentor? I think um, trust. Um, trust, um, well, building trust um, with that person. It, it's a relationship. Um, and the relationship, um, often because we have a, only a specific time limitation that we can work with people, um, there are specific responsibilities mm -hmm. that as a preceptor, we have to clearly outline with them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> We need to know what their goals are, um, and it has to be quick. Uh, oftentimes, it, you know, it's you're building a relationship <clears throat> on the go, mm -hmm. um, but right at the beginning and right at the start, you're, you definitely have to have, to have that um, trust. I give I give them a sense of you know um, collaboration. We're working together mm -hmm. to, meet, to meet their goals. Um, often it's a two-way street yes. um, as well. I mean, a lot of people uh, become preceptors for their own gain, mm -hmm. um, whereas other, and I've always believed that, you know, yeah, it's going to help me. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, no lie about it. Um, it looks great on a resume if you've been a, re a preceptor. But it's also leaving a legacy behind you. Mm. You know, and you want that legacy to be a positive one. Mm -hmm. People that I, I am still in touch. I actually work still with some of the people um, that I preceptored. And, you know, that's what you want to leave behind because they're going to say, Lisa precepted me. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and this is what I learned. Um, it, it's like when you give somebody um, a review for yes. a resume, mm -hmm. you know, it's the same thing. You want to, you want to be able to provide um, everything you have to that person that's going to build them up um, and leave something behind, right? You you want nurses who are going to care for people, who are mm -hmm. going to care for my children, who are going to care for my family. Right. You want the best of the best. So you started off with trust. Now yeah. in the world of the hospital world and and nursing and doctors and all kinds of specialists, you started off with trust, um, not compassion, not anything else. And, and it's not to say that trust is not a, a, a good one or a big one, um, but why, why is trust so important in this mentoring um, bilateral um, work experience? Why is that so high up on your list? I think because... Um if, if you don't have that trust, mm -hmm. how, are, how, how would anybody um, believe what you're saying to them? Mm. Um, you can have 25 years under your belt. Mm -hmm. and if, but if you don't have that trust um, and, and self-trust, I have to have my own self-trust mm -hmm. um, to prepare for this relationship. 
I have to be able to look inward mm-hmm. and show up fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have to believe that I have the capacity to help them learn and grow. Mm. Um, and I just don't think, you know, I think things will go, would go downhill if you didn't have that. I mean, even when I've come across and I've had some, some, um, mentees that were, I've seen some mentees who were, you know, scared and, they didn't do well because their preceptor, you know, there was no trust. There was no, um, there was no building of that special relationship. Um, and co- like, so, I mean, to create that trust and have empathy, I think is mm-hmm. also important mm-hmm. and, and understanding from where they're coming from. You know, I, I've seen some bad <laughs> outcomes. I really have. But I, you know, even when, a, even when um, my mentee is not doing well yes, um, and is struggling, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to have that, you know, compassion and, and, and really that trust to say, hey, look, I will help you along. You're struggling now. Here are some strategies that we can work together on. Um, trust me, you know, we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. They've worked so hard to get to that point that, right. you know, you don't ever want to see anybody fail. Okay. So Lisa, let me push a little bit further in on this, on this part of the conversation. So trust, uh, sometimes it happens, um, organically. Um, sometimes a sequence of events almost force something to happen in an unnatural way, but it, it works out long-term. Where, where does vulnerability tag in with trust, right? So like when somebody comes into a room with you, um, let's just say I'm a nursing student. Um, you've kind of got me at a disadvantage because you've got to say something meaningful in a positive way. Uh, so to some degree, I might tell you everything that you want to hear, um, but maybe there's a, maybe the vulnerability helps to build the trust. So the vulnerability on the part of the mentee, mm-hmm. um, yes, they're new, um, but I think showing them, I mean, it's, you know, being able to see my confidence, being able to demonstrate and show, mm-hmm. um, because you're a coach as well. Mm-hmm. As a mentor. Coach and mentoring are one, you know, are, are very similar. Mm-hmm. I think um, if they can see or, and hear from mm-hmm. others, you know, they, they, they're watching you mm-hmm. and they can see the um the confidence mm-hmm. um and you need to have confidence you have to have the expertise mm-hmm. you have to be um very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and i think when you are in your day-to-day on the floor mm-hmm. or day-to-day you know job and you and someone's watching you they need to be able to see what you can do Okay. So, so you're almost vulnerable. You're you're also vulnerable. Not only the mentee is vulnerable, but you are too, because you're opening up yourself and you're opening up 
yourself for someone to see how knowledgeable you are, how confident you are, and whether they want to trust you. Yeah. And two way street, right? Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, right? Because I think that, again, their vulnerability and yours as a mentor, they have to intersect. Um, at some point in the journey, whether early on or by the time you get to the end of this tour of duty over several weeks, and then maybe they transition and they have to be mentored by somebody else. But I want to pivot a little bit, um, Lisa, and I want to ask this now, because, you know, sometimes um, those that we mentor, when they leave our purview or, you know, when they leave our instruction, they may not continue on with what they've been taught. And, and I'm sure that you've been working, you know, in, in your setting long enough to know that there have been some individuals that they did everything that you told them to do and you were very optimistic about them. And the moment they graduated, whether they went on to work where you are, or maybe they went somewhere else and you heard how they're doing, you're like, oh, what happened to that person? How did they become all of that when I gave them all of this? How, how are you helping to build um, the bridge between the classroom setting and the floor setting? Because they're two different settings, right? On the floor, it's real patience, um, some autonomy uh, to some degree. But in the classroom, you may be, to some degree, um, able to control um, what the process looks like. But how, how are you ensuring that they are leaving and embodying what you're trying to teach them? Um, really it's a, it's a, um, teach and see method, right? Mm -hmm. When we're teaching, we're also, uh, because this is hands-on, uh, nursing it's hands-on. So when, when you're, when you're mentoring someone, um, you're watching them to see what they're doing, to make sure they're doing their skills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you're talking to them, you're questioning them. So what would you do in this scenario? Mm -hmm. And all those little tests. Mm -hmm. that you put them through they're never hard they're never you know you're gonna fail if you don't answer right it's i need to know where you're at so that i can continue building on your success Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of this is you know um lived experience as well Mm -hmm. you know um if a person gets can can get all of their skills in and and um for example um you have a code happen and they've lived it through a cold, they're going to feel more confident going forward. So you want to provide them with as many scenarios as you possibly can, um, see how they're doing, and then obviously improve on it. I, you, we cannot control what happens when we're done. Mm-hmm. And we can, only, we can only help someone as much as they, first of all, want to be helped. Yes. Um, but what they're willing to learn and um, how much they're willing to go above and beyond afterwards. Yes. I mean, I remember being a student myself and mm-hmm. having some fabulous mentors, Yeah. but it's also what you do after, you know, going home or cracking your books open, rereading stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, it's this nursing profession is a lifelong a lifelong education. Yes. You're all, always, there's always something new coming in. So I myself am uh, uh, a learner. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a learner in life. Mm-hmm. And everyone will always be a learner. But those lived experiences, I think, carry on. 
um, in the afterwards. So but people have to be responsible anyway. And I agree with you, right? Because at the end of the day, the best student I would imagine, or for the most part, and of course I'm generalizing, it is the student that understands the value of the above and beyond, right? So while I may get this mentorship for eight to 12 hours over six to eight weeks, that's incredible, but I'm not going to have Lisa with me um, for the rest of my life. As a matter of fact, even though medicine on some level uh, doesn't change because I guess the biology of who we are as people doesn't change, the methodologies do. So when you look as a as a mentor, um, one who has been training and developing this workforce of nurses for tomorrow, what do you think mentoring and leading needs to look like? Like, how do you, how do you build this into an, and I'm going to drop something in here. I hope you don't mind. It's a little bit of a curveball. You know, I'm, I'm big on strategic planning, right? I, I, I don't know that organizations put enough money into strategic planning. I mean, we put it into the infrastructure, you know, the building and getting more equipment and technology, all of that's good. Um, but really it's, it's the people, it's the human resources that drive everything, that implement everything. Going forward, when you look down this street uh, called the future of, of the healthcare system from a mentoring and leadership um, perspective, what do you want to see happen? Or where are some of the uh, deficiencies that you think we may need to take a look at and, and be much more intentional with? Um, great question. Um, I, I feel that if, if we want to see, you know, the nursing profession continue to succeed and get better, mm -hmm. there has to be passion. We have mm -hmm. to create excitement mm -hmm. around nursing. Um, a lot of times you hear, you know, other nurse, I've heard other nurses tell, you know, their stay that they tell their children not to go into nursing. Don't go into nursing. It's tough. It's hard, you know, but here, you know, myself, mm -hmm. I have uh, a nurse. I have my, my one daughter is in nursing mm -hmm. because I encouraged it. I have, yeah. I had the passion yeah. and I gave her the excitement to do it. My son is going into medicine and, mm -hmm. you know, so he's got that excitement. Um, but I think leaders going forward have to have the ability to, you know, hold people accountable and mm. in individual actions, mm -hmm. the style of their leadership, mm -hmm. um, the values they hold. Um, behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, um, we need to ensure that our leaders are role models mm. for um, nurses coming up. We have to, I think, honestly, mm. I don't see any advertisements on the TV mm. about nursing and mm. how great nursing is. Why I like, honestly, I think if we, that would be a great strategy, strategy to put forward is to showcase nursing, you know, yeah. not in the heavy workloads that we do. And, mm -hmm. you know, because you can get around that. You can, you can still work and you can, we, I still see nurses, great nurses I work with who provide wonderful care with mm -hmm. heavy nurse loads, with a busy day, sometimes without breaks. 
Mm-hmm. But we need to showcase, you know, how great it is and advertise, I think, advertise, advertise for it. Not a two-minute clip on the radio you hear. Right. We need more nurses or, you know, <laughs> right. really, like, let's show some commercials about, you know, let's hear from actual nurses who are passionate and who would love their job. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that, Lisa, because, you know, as one who was um, hospitalized at the turn of the new year, I was in the hospital for about eight days because I uh, had this diabetic thing that I was uh, struggling with, but I'm thankful that it's gone now. Um, but the, the reality is um, the doctors, they come in, and I promise you I'm not diminishing the, the role um, and the contribution of doctors, but the doctors, they come in for a few minutes. Um, they let you know a little bit of what's happening based on your blood work and so forth, and then they're gone. Like they're going from person to person and bed to bed. But uh, a majority of the bedside assistants uh, and bedside manner, it is the nurses, right? They come in uh, to check on you, to check your bags, to check your machine, uh, to just say hi, see how you're doing, give you your medication. And, and you know, the other side of it too is they're also creating a conversation that lifts you while you're, you're sitting in the bed. And that is an art in and of itself. It may not be scientific, but it is definitely an art to being able to come and see somebody who's half dressed, you know, with um, a bunch of heavy uh, towels over your body and still allow them to feel a sense of dignity um, within themselves while they're getting better, hopefully. But you, you also did say another thing. And I'm glad that you used the A word, and the A word is not a cuss word, it's the accountability word. I think that um, in this mentoring process, Lisa, there's got to be more accountability, generally speaking, from the bottom up to the top down. Uh, You know, sometimes there are some expectations that we have as leaders that are not fair on those that we are mentoring. We expect them uh, to be tremendous. We expect them to be um, catalysts and so on and so forth. But we ourselves, we haven't been catalysts in a long time. And so they get the, the rest of us because maybe we're experienced and we've been doing something for a long time. Um, but I'd, I'd love to see that happen more, this accountability thing. Do you want to expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, leaders are in the position to make change. Um, and those changes affect many people, um, processes. Um, the end point of it is how it affects, obviously, the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if a mistake is made, I mean, a, a good leader knows that, okay, so we tried it this way, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, you know, um, I like the PDSA where, you know, you, you try things, you see if it works and if it doesn't, you go right back and you mm-hmm. try and do like, not let's just forget about it Yeah. as probably the, the, the base reasoning for doing the change in, in, in the first place you know, you can't give up on it. You have to keep trying and trying, you know, and, and professional nurses are, you know, are, are in excellent uh, positions to provide leadership. Yes. Um, in their work setting, um, professional associations in the community mm-hmm. and the society at a large, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have excellent communication skills. They can work collaboratively with others. We work with PT, OT, pharmacists. Um, a sense of service to others yes. is 
is, is key. Yes. Um, well-established credibility. You know, yeah. nurses are a very, a very it's, it's a credible profession. Yes. Uh, the commitment to high quality patient care mm-hmm. makes them excellent candidates to provide, you know, much needed, much needed leadership. Yes. And I think that's why we do see a lot of um, past nurses in leadership positions. And if they come from, um, you know, if they move through their profession or, or from their career up to a leadership position, and they've had great mentorship all along, you know, it's a con- it, it, it continues. It's a continuity where um, you, you, you're, if you can create great leaders, you're building new mentors, and those leaders are going to be become men- mentors as well. And and, you know, it can be a nice cycle. You know, Lisa, I wish I could jump through the screen, right, and just give you a big hug. So you said something, and I just need to say this. You're so smart. I'm so glad to have you uh, this week on this conversation. But you said something that, I mean, because I'm sure you say a lot of nice things all the time, that you kind of said it and then kept moving. Um, but making changes, Lisa, like, I'm so glad you said that. Um, I, I think one of the challenges that we have is that a lot of leaders kind of toe the line, especially when they get close to retirement sometimes. Again, these are generalizations, so I don't want anybody coming for me. Um, but I think that all leaders, when they arrive in a position, their job is not to maintain what somebody else has done in the past, but it's constantly to create more change and more nuances that allow for a better um, cycle of leadership. I'll stop there because I, I know that you have more to say on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen if you if you see, like I said, one way of doing something and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, bringing um, a new point of view um to the table, um, not being afraid to try new things. Um, you know, even if you have to step on a few toes, um, <laughs> honestly, yeah. no one is not everyone on your team, um, is, is going to be happy with an outcome. Mm-hmm. You cannot ever have a hundred. I, I've never seen a group be a hundred percent on board right. with a change idea. Yes. Um, and I, I had, I'm a, I'm actually a change agent. So I love change. Good for you. I love um, it. yeah. And so bringing new, um, ideas into the organization, um, and not, and sometimes you're given something, okay, this is, you know, leadership coming down who's, who, who tells you as a leadership that you have to, you know, implement, um, this, uh, new initiative mm-hmm. and the new initiative is not going to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, yes. you definitely have to have that, you know, you have to use emotion and your intellectual capabilities and, and you have to allow everyone to understand what is guiding these organizational changes. Yes. Why are we doing it? I mean, the bottom line is, you know, if you just tell people what to do, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to do it. Correct. But if you if you explain to people, if you give them that rationale, also if you 
you know, a lot of people talk about buy-in. Yes. You know, you got to mm-hmm. get buy-in to make change. Yes. Um, you know, and I think it is an important piece because then when you have that buy-in, people are also passionate about it. Yes. Um, so if you if you if you know know those kind of things and you can work with those kind of things, like leaders have to be aware of where their team is mentally um, and to make sure everybody is at least they understand what's going on. They may not always be for it, but as long as they understand, and this is what we're going to try, this is what we're going to do. Yes. We can get feedback afterwards, you know? Yes. I think that's, that's where I've seen my success in implementing, um, wonderful initiatives that help patient care reduce SSIs. We're actually working on a project now reducing greenhouse gases. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, you know, healthcare is one of the biggest contributors to greenhouse gases right now. Um, there's a lot of, you know, one-time waste and our hospital is, you know, the hospital where I work, we're really on board with next generation and helping the planet, helping the world. Mm-hmm. And our leaders at our hospital are also, you know, doing that. Um, and I've had right now in projects I'm working on right now, we've, mm-hmm. I've had some people who aren't completely on board mm-hmm. or ju- just looking to <laughs> maybe make a smaller change. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, when we have 70, 30 mm-hmm. for the change, I mean, you can be very successful. You know, um, I, I like what you're doing uh, in this conversation because I think you're moving the idea of mentorship a little bit further along, right? So when we think about mentorship, it's the training, it's the teaching, it's the imparting of wisdom, it's the shared experience, it's all of that. But then it's also the change piece, Lisa. And I think this is what I'm hearing you say on the, on the tail end of our conversation, that while you are mentoring people to go into the workforce, you've got to inspire them to become the change, right? Because there are some things like you've worked more years than you have left, I would imagine, right? Yeah. So, so you're beginning to look in the rearview mirror. There may have been some things that you were not able to, to accomplish or may not be able to accomplish, but that doesn't mean that that young man or that young woman that gets the, the, the privilege of sitting with you, they can't take uh, the baton and move it further. I think I'd like to see more of that in the area of mentorship, not just sharing what you need to do to do the, the job well, but giving them the critical skills uh, to enable them to create the change, even though it may be incremental, not always supported. Any change is always good change. Right. I, I've, I've mentored um, a lot of new people from different hospitals mm-hmm. um, doing the same role that I have at my hospital mm-hmm. um, as part of an onboarding for, for them when they're learning um, this role. Mm-hmm. And um, let me say, I am always open to learning myself. And mm-hmm. I've gone, you know, I've seen some great ideas come from them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. fantastic. I never thought of that. Yes. And I'm like, share it with me. Yes. You know, share, share, like, how did you come to that point? How are you doing that? What's, you know, and, and our program and I, and I do um, sit on um, the Ontario health steering committee mm-hmm. of Ontario health. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we talk about is, is, you know, sharing ideas 
from hospital to hospital, making sure that, you know, each organization um, um, shares their successes with each other. Right. And we do this through a group of um, uh, nurses and, you know, we have meetings, we talk about what's working for us, what's not, mm-hmm. and we take these ideas back to our team. So, you know, having an open yes. mind to yes. change, you know, you have to be willing to, to listen, really, yes. communication, listen to other people, because you don't have all the answers. Correct. You'll never have all the answers. Never. So, Lisa, I would love for you, if you don't mind... Um, we've talked about a lot of different things. We started off talking about mentorship and then we started to talk about change and strategic planning and now um, best business practices. It's all part of mentorship, by the way. Is there a takeaway or two that you would like to leave us with as we end our conversation today? Oh boy. Um... <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not on your seat today because you said so many, so many <laughs> profound things. Right. And I could probably go on for, for another hour speaking about, you know, what I would love to share with, you know, people who are looking to be leaders and mentors. Um, but well, I think that's what's that's what's um, for next time, Lisa. This will not be your last <laughs> time. So put some stuff in the bank. I'll be coming around again to you. <laughs> I think leaders um, should understand the importance of emotions. Mm-hmm. And emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and I think understanding emotions uh, is is imperative mm-hmm. um, because you're you're working and you're mentoring and leading people, and people have emotions and they influence p- individual performance mm-hmm. and their ideas, beliefs, and values. Um, and I would, I would hope that anyone who, um, wants to get into leadership Mm -hmm. or mentorship, um, has that love based motivation, Mm -hmm. not a fear based motivation Mm. that the, you know, that, that you make people feel valued um, as a person and provide a sense of meaning and contribution um, to whatever you're learning, whatever you're doing, whatever you're into, um, implementing. Uh, because, you know, on a final note, I think um, people have hearts, minds, and bodies, and we need to feed all three. <laughs> oh, wow. Lisa, um, let me just say, first of all, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a really great conversation. I wish you could see my scratch pad over here. Like I'm writing feverishly, uh, even though I know that I can go back and record it, but this has to be etched in my mind. And I think that you've landed the plane at the appropriate spot. Um, and that is, uh, love mentorship over fair mentorship. We want people to succeed. Um, yes, we have to hold them accountable, but at the end of the day, We want to make sure that they leave with the sense of, I can do this. And the person that is imparting their wisdom and their experience, they believe in me. And if I was in the healthcare um, world like you are, and maybe I am in in a different kind of sense, I would love to be mentored um, by you. And really and truly, I'm so thankful and blessed to have had you on um, BSTL today. 
uh, to share just a tidbit. And I hope that you've had um, a good enough experience that you'll be willing to come back and share um, some more. Because I think what the world needs now are leaders who are more transparent and willing to share with those who have more time to implement uh, the things that maybe we won't be able to accomplish um, before we take our last breath, whenever that may be. So thank you so much again, and we hope to have you on again. So make sure you don't go on vacation or anything like that, because I will be calling you. And to our listeners, um, thank you for staying. Uh, Yes, this was a little bit longer of a conversation, but it was worth every minute of it. And of course, if you'd like me to come out and speak with your organization about some of these key principles, I'd love to. Uh, Email me at bstlinc21 at gmail.com so that we can keep this conversation going. But nobody is an island. Everybody needs a mentor, a coach, or whatever it may be in order to be successful. And we're so grateful that we have the leases of the world to make that happen. Until next time, take care, be safe, and keep moving. Your health is your wealth.